the belief is that your childhood shapes you. And a fun, not really a fun fact, but a fact which proves that is that your brain, when you're three years old, your brain is developed to up to 80%. Mm. And if you hit the age five, your brain is developed to 90%, which means at the age of five, your, your brain is wired. Yeah. So the main anxiety you feel as an adult comes from childhood because mm-hmm. it's wired that way since you were five. Welcome to Make Bank with Marie Wold. I'm Marie, and for the last decade, I've been helping women set and hit unrealistic goals while building their definition of a rich life. This podcast is your ultimate destination for unfiltered discussions about personal development, entrepreneurship, wellness, confidence, wealth building, relationships, and so much more. We're creating our dream lives together, and I'm so glad you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the pod. We have a super exciting episode this week. A great interview with Saskia, also known as Grow With Sass on social media. And if you don't know her, Saskia calls herself an inner child healing nerd and has been chronicling her experience healing and growing in therapy for almost two years. She started her Instagram account to be like a therapy diary of sorts where she could process her learnings And now she's built an audience of nearly 100,000 people on Instagram. So obviously people are resonating with her honest, vulnerable approach to mental health and how healing our inner child is one of the most important projects we can commit to as adults. So I'm excited to get into the nitty gritty of inner child healing, what that all means, and give you guys more of like an inside look into a therapy experience and what that work looks like and how it impacts our lives. So welcome to the show, Saskia. Thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to jump in. And I was doing obviously a lot of research for this episode, having a hard time narrowing down what I even wanted to talk about because you have been sharing so many different aspects of your journey and your experience in therapy. And I know firsthand that there is like so many things that come up and it's almost like once we start, you are just discovering a new thing about yourself (laughs) and a new thing that we can work on every single day. And it kind of is just like that, that effect of like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And so I'm excited to kind of explore a bunch of different facets of therapy and this inner work and healing But just to give us kind of an overview, I want you to share your story. Like, what made you decide to start therapy? Was there any reason why you were hesitant? What was kind of like the initial experience like? Because I know you said in your, I think you were doing it yesterday, Instagram story, like Q&A of how your first year of therapy was like awful. So tell us about why you started therapy and kind of what that looked like in the early stages, because I know that healing is messy. Yeah, it is. So, hi, everyone. I always kind of knew that I needed therapy at some point in my life. And, I mean, I had mental health problems as long as I can remember, to be honest. And I was always saying, everybody has it worse. Mm -hmm. So I, what do I think to get a spot and I'm taking it away from someone else because I had never this major one big thing where everyone Mm. says oh it's okay you go to therapy because you for example i don't know you survived a fire or like something like something super super big t like capital t trauma yeah yeah so everybody would be like oh that's fine you go 
Yeah. Uh, so for me, it was always small things adding up. And I was putting them and pushing them aside until two years, two and a half years ago, when I had a family thing coming up and I noticed that I cannot regulate my emotions. Mm. And I was just laying in bed. I couldn't do anything. And I felt overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And my roommate came into my room and she said, I know someone who does therapy. Do you, are you interested in that? I, I can make the contact if you want. And the first thing was like, no, I don't need that. Yeah, This is for people who are ill. I'm not ill. Not, something's not wrong with me. Mm-hmm. What are you saying? <laughs> but eventually I talked to the friend of her and I was like, okay, I can try. I can try. I mean, Germany is also a very good country for therapy because mm. Germany basically pays for you to okay. go to therapy. Amazing. So this is amazing. So I was like, okay, I will just try. And I got there. The, I remember I was like, I had a call. So I did like answer questions online. And then mm-hmm. I had a call with the secretary. And at the call with the secretary, I was just, crying because I thought it was the therapist oh my god that is so amazing oh my god and, and that was the moment where I realized maybe I do need help <laughs> yeah so I um, wait just like let you talk just like I think she needs this I'm just gonna let her keep going not like no no I you're not talking to the right person <laughs> no it was like we were talking about the questions I, and my answers oh, okay and they kind of did a diagnosis from what I could be suffering from yeah and this was just the person who was talking over the diagnosis with me to just check if this is kind of relatable like yeah on the bigger picture, could this be true? So they don't have a clue from mental health. And oh they're just God. like doing <laughs> the basics. Like this and is I- way above my pay grade. I do not get <laughs> yes. paid for this. <laughs> oh my God, I started crying like a baby. And a few days later, I had my first therapy session just mm-hmm. to get clear on if I need therapy or not. So a lot of people don't know if you apply for therapy, then you have the first session with someone who will not be your therapist, just a random Mm. therapist. And they will basically go over the points with you and they will tell you if you need therapy or not. Interesting. Okay. Only if you like have your first talk doesn't mean that you get therapy or that you got it. So you have to kind of like qualify for it. Yeah. In Germany. Yeah. (laughs) And she was like, you're so messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, you for sure need this. Check. (laughs) I'll put you on the list. Yeah. Then I started therapy eight months later because of the waiting list okay and yeah it was what I was referring yesterday I was referring to the first year because there's a lot of talking so from my side the the therapist like gets to know me and doesn't really say a thing because they don't know everything and yeah say something stupid because (laughs) they don't know everything so the first year was tough because I was talking and talking and nothing worked uh-huh. And I had the feeling, I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah, like, I'm talking to her. Like she knows, she, I, I let her in. She sees my soul, and she's not really helping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I also thought like it's she would just give me the manual, and mm-hmm. I'll just do whatever she says, and I'll be fine. But it's not working that way. No, I think it's so tough to starting with either starting in therapy or starting with a new therapist. 
I have worked with two. And I remember when I started with my the therapist I have now, I was like, do I make like a PowerPoint? Like, do I make like a slide deck to explain my entire life story? Because how are we going to unpack all of this as fast as possible and like get to the good stuff? At some point, you can just be like, can you call my other therapist and just shut Yeah, can you guys just have a debrief before I come? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, that's my way how I got into therapy. And um, I'm still in therapy in the last bits. So it ends soon okay but um yeah I've grown so much and I'm happy to just share it and other people relating to it especially for people in countries where it's very extensive mm, like mm. what the fuck why is it still so ex- am I allowed to say what the fuck yeah <laughs> yes yes we're allowed to say like what the fuck why is it still so extensive in so many countries mm-hmm. is- yeah yeah I mean in the states it's sometimes covered like a set number of sessions and it's usually like six like not a lot of sessions might be covered by your insurance which insurance is already expensive and then after that if you pay out of pocket I know it's usually between like 120 to like 200 dollars an hour for therapy so it's just something that like not everyone is able to prioritize or go as often as they want and I think it's just such important work but it's also like you said so vulnerable there's so much that you're you're processing and you're like in the thick of it so I'm assuming that you did have some level of like hesitation or resistance to go because your first reaction when your roommate asked you you were like no I don't need that I'm fine how dare you suggest that so obviously there's some sort of like negative bias but what with that in mind like what gave you courage to then make your learnings public and like use social media to share everything that you were working on even though you knew that it was kind of like a taboo subject to let people in on that to be honest the first the first few months I was not really thinking about what I'm putting out there I was just Mm. I just I had a kind of selfish reason I don't know if it's selfish but I wanted to process my therapy because I noticed after one and a half years that I forgot basically everything (laughs) because I didn't wrote anything down and at at some point I was like I do have to process it and yeah. I'm not a big writer I do love journaling as a coping like coping mm-hmm. something but not not really for my processing so and I love doing videos I love contemplation so I decided yeah. to just do it and I started on a private account and then it was just a bunch of my friends following me so it was my comfort circle and I didn't really think that other people would see it I the hesitate hesitation started getting more when family members saw my account uh, yeah. I mean they know my parents and I got a lot of blame like mm. how can you talk to you talk about your parents like that mm. and I, I also have a sister and they're like is your sister also having childhood trauma and it was also like they were hiding behind a fake account. Oh, so yeah. I knew that it was like someone from my family, but not who especially. Yeah. And then that was the part where I realized, okay, a lot of people see this. And then one video went, uh, went viral. Yeah. One exercise I shared. And then in a, in a span of five days, I gained 
like maybe like 60,000 followers. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's a lot. That's a lot to, to process. It was a shock. But I, I I thought about like quitting, to be honest. I thought about, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out there and oh my gosh, I cannot do that. But I realized that what I felt in the beginning when my roommate approached me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not ill, I'm not crazy, blah, blah. I was like, okay, there's so, there should be so much more awareness. Mm-hmm. And I'm in therapy, for, I was at that point in therapy for one and a half years. And I was like, no, you know what? I will do that. And I will show, like when I'm talking about my parents, I try to make it as human as possible. So I do put disclaimer on it that yeah. they tried their, their trauma. So they were not bad parents. Yeah. I was not hit. I was not, yeah, abused in that way. So I was like, okay, I, I feel comfortable with my content. I do show the whole picture. And if people want to approach me like family members, it's fine. I feel comfortable with it. My parents know of the account. So yeah. they know something's going on there. They don't know mm. much, <laughs> but they know that do I do Do they purposely it. not like consume your content? They're like, that's, that's your thing? I think. I yeah. think if my mother would know my my handle, mm-hmm. she would stop me. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't know my handle or something. Yeah. She's not that good with social media. Okay. Yeah, that <laughs> I in your favor. I think she would she would like Yeah. I can definitely in. see how feeling like having people who know you and like especially your family and your audience totally changes your kind of like relationship for some reason I'm I have kind of a similar experience to you of like how I got started but Mm -hmm. for some reason posting something and knowing that like five specific people that you know in real life or like family members knowing those five people are going to see it is like worse than knowing that a hundred thousand strangers are going to see it like there's something about that that is just really uncomfortable and it feels safer to just tell random people who you don't even know and there's some sort of like weird safety in that. But I That's can true. super relate to starting anonymously. Like I started my Instagram 11 years ago wow. in October. I started 11 years ago as this anonymous like diary of my health and fitness journey. So kind of similar to you, just like journaling my like sharing my workouts and my progress and my meals and just like as kind of an accountability journal. And I did not mean for it to become this platform I didn't mean for it to become an audience and it did and then once once people from school found it then I was like oh my god I have to delete this I have to hide forever this is like ghost mode yeah like this is so bad and eventually you know I got comfortable with continuing to share my journey and becoming more and more vulnerable but why do you feel like it's easier to like go so deep with your audience than it is your family? Because I see in your comment sections, like people are sharing their own trauma. Like mm-hmm. you're holding space for a lot of people. You're opening conversations with a lot of people. Like, why do you think that is easier than perhaps like a conversation with your mom about the same things that you've you're yeah. working through? I think it's first of all sharing with people who know know what it feels like so they have similarities and you don't have the feeling that they judge you that much because sometimes parents could be can be very judgmental and also it's like the 
first relationship you know yeah. so you're afraid to mess it up or just yeah it feels it feels especially when you're not used to communicate in your family so for me it was we didn't communicate anything uh, um, uh -huh. i was always sent to my room to cool off <laughs> to cool off uh so, so you're like you, never really having those like hard conversations no, or like talking about your no, feelings. Never. Got it. Never. So I learned in this sphere of family realm. Yeah. Family realm, we don't talk about feelings and we mm. don't really talk about communicate stuff. So it was easier for me to share with strangers. Um, yeah. Because I mean, a lot of a lot of people do write DMs to me and we talk. I mean, I answer them and then there's a talk going on. But I do think with my parents, it would be a different one. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also like that layer of defensiveness, right? Because if you're yeah. talking about like, oh, I'm healing this thing from my childhood. Oh, so you're calling me a bad parent or whatever. Yes. And I think it's also that process of like, you have to be so careful how you communicate those things. Yes. And it's their own then they have their own thing to work on of like, why do I feel guilty about this? How can I let go of this? How can I not be defensive? Yeah. And so I think it's just like cleaner. Like there's just more of like a neutral energy when you're yeah. talking. Neutral straight. ground. Yeah. 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 I mean, when I told my parents about that I do inner child healing and I'm in therapy, so I told them after two years. Okay. <laughs> so just recently, they didn't yeah. know for a long time because I wanted to protect them in any kind. And they just, they, they didn't blame themselves. They blamed each other. So mm, my mother blamed my father. My father blamed my mother. And I was just sitting there. Okay. I feel like my now. therapist says it's both of you. So. <laughs> yeah. So. That's interesting that it's immediately like displaced blame on the other parent. It couldn't possibly be me. But I want to yeah. go deeper into the inner child healing because that's one of the main things yes. you've been working about, working on one of the main things that you talk about in your content. So for anyone who is not familiar, I feel like everyone's heard the term inner child mm -hmm. at this point. But like what is inner child work and why do you feel it's so important to do as adults? Okay, inner child healing is a kind of therapy you can do where you look at your emotional wounds or your traumas which occur in childhood or in one person's childhood benefit. And the concept is kind of based on thinking that you, your character gets developed in your childhood and you have a younger self in yourself. Like your inner child these... still lives in you. Yes. Yeah. And you're still the child you were and you still have those negative beliefs and your wounds and everything from childhood carrying with you into an adulthood, which shapes your behavior. So mm -hmm. basically, your nowadays behavior is because of things that happened, it happened or did not happen in mm -hmm. your childhood. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that it's a lot of shouting and abuse and tra trauma, like the term trauma, how we know it. Mm -hmm. But it can also just be not having your needs met. Like, yeah. For example, you're, you needed your mother and she was gone. Right. So it doesn't Even have to be. Even for like a normal reason, right? Like, oh, she yeah. was like busy. She was on a work trip, right? Like it wasn't yeah. a negative reason. It was just that was that was what was happening. And you perceived it as like a lack of support or whatever. Yeah. Or you screamed at night and your mother didn't come because she heard that screaming through is great. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you uh. needed the support and you needed someone and they didn't came. And then you 
like dissociate. So the belief is that your childhood shapes you and a fun, not really a fun fact, but a fact which proves that is that your brain, when you're three years old, your brain is developed to up to 80%. Mm. And if you hit the age five, your brain is developed to 90%, which means at the age of five, your, your brain is wired. Yeah. So the main anxiety you feel as an adult comes from childhood because mm-hmm. it's wired that way since you were five. Mm-hmm. So this is doesn't crazy. that make you like the way that I hear that is like, OK, so if I ever have kids, I need to like nail it for the first yeah. five years. Otherwise, my kid is screwed. Like, that's how I think about that now as an adult. I mean, you can still get traumatized when you're an adult. You can still get traumatized yeah. when you're in your teenage years. A lot of people also talk about the teenage inner child or inner mm-hmm. teenager coming out. But for inner child healing, it's just looking at the first to 10 years. What happened? What wounds do you have? Where does it come from? How did your parents like take care of you? What did you experience? And processing the, those wounds and f- trying to find reasons why you are the way you are. Yeah. Why am I the way that I am? I think that's the question a question that everyone's question. asking all the yeah. time. Why am I like that's this? True. Okay, so then if someone, if this is getting someone's like gears turning in their head of like, maybe I need this, like, how does someone know if they have a traumatized inner Mm -hmm. child? What are the signs? Because also you said like 90% by age five. I know a lot of us don't remember a lot of things like before five years old, right? Like a lot of that time is spent before we have real memories and like the true context of how things happened so unless you're remembering again that like big t trauma and you know something serious happened to you what are the signs that there are those even little t traumas or patterns Mm -hmm. or wounds that are like still with you there is one massive thing so not remembering a lot from your childhood is kind of the indicator that you have mm-hmm. childhood trauma because your um, brain has just like blocked it out, right? Like because it's... you when you you as a baby went into survival mode mm. and you just your brain shut up, mm-hmm. it just shut, and it wants to protect you from the emotions you felt when you were younger. So your memories are just not there. Some people I talk to some people who say or describe it as a grayish when they try to think about childhood it's just gray it's just blur it's some people don't so don't know what they look like as a child mm. so you're very dissociated from a childhood you don't really remember a lot for me it's I don't remember a lot that as well so yeah. this was a huge indicator for me but also the standards people pleasing lack of boundary settings perfectionism for example perfect do I say it right? Perfectionism. Yeah, yeah perfectionism. Per- perfectionism. Perfectionism, yeah. for example, comes from being shamed for making mistakes. Mm. So when your parents are very critical and they criticize you a lot and you develop this urge to, to not make mistakes, to not feel those emotions, mm-hmm. feel those negative emotions, so you become a, th- a perfectionist. And so these, these things are a huge indicator or... Also, small things like always feeling feeling drawn to people who are narcissists. Cannot build you cannot build secure relationships, so you're avoidant or anxious attachment style. 
Maybe. It sounds like for you, one one thing or one sign was like the emotional regulation because you were never like modeled how to do that by your parents. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's basically. Yeah. Also, you feel drained when you're at mm. home. Like, mm. I think a lot of people, it's very common. So I do think childhood trauma is very common that you're just going home and you feel drained by your parents. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge indicator as well. Like, mm. Yeah, okay. a lot of people say like you when you live with your parents, you don't pay rent, but you pay with your mental health. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this this sentence exists, so it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have that experience, and I was yeah. just with my parents for like two and a half weeks, like oh, living wow. where they live in the summer. With me and my husband were there with our dogs, like getting away from the Texas heat, and it was lovely and i love my parents dearly but it also makes you excited to be like okay i'm I'm excited to get back to my routine and do my things and so i think even if you've done your your healing and even if you have a good relationship with your parents there's so much that you just notice and either way like it brings up a lot of stuff like my parents were great and tried really hard and were super present and i still have had a lot of stuff that I've worked through in therapy. I've been in therapy for off and on like five years. And I think it's great for literally everyone, especially like entrepreneurs, which is a lot of my audience or people who are in like a coaching role or some sort of like helping profession because you're holding space for other people all the time. But anyway, Mm. even though I've worked through so much stuff in therapy related to my parents, my childhood and all this stuff, just being back in that environment again like triggers your memories and like triggers those patterns again and so I caught myself being like okay she doesn't mean it that way it's like actually this or like you don't have to immediately feel this way it can just be neutral or like okay remember to react this way or like these conversations are not productive whatever it is like it's so easy to just put yourself right back into that loop because that's literally like your brain's default mode yeah for me the biggest breakthrough regarding the theme with my parents and therapy was to realize that they are just human mm-hmm. like they yes. are not something i put on I, I put them on a pedestal yeah and i think every child does it but at some point in your life you just realize they're just like human like mm-hmm. me too they they do have the traumas and if you say when when they grew up in a generation where mental health was not talked about, right? So a lot of a lot of them didn't even do the work, and they're still sitting in their traumas. Yes, and you, this is just sad, and you shouldn't try to change them because that's what I was trying yeah. for a long time. I'm trying to yeah, please just do this or do that, yeah. and try to change them, but just accepting them the way they mm-hmm. are. And, getting out of this drama triangle thing which is always going on and this was the most calming thing I realized yeah no that is such a huge shift in your like mindset and how you really do your parents have realized like oh they're humans I think everyone goes through that shift like on a level right as you're growing up and you're like oh my mom and dad aren't perfect like they don't know everything they are humans just like me. But then as you're working on yourself and you're learning your patterns and learning about your inner child and blah, 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 then there's like another level of that where you're like, oh, like these are the patterns that they have for a reason. And Mm -hmm. these are the things that are showing up because of their parents. And like 
this is why I'm the way that I am and why our relationship is like this. And it just is so like mind blowing. But like you said, you have to be able to kind of like compartmentalize your work and like not force it on them. Like let your progress be your progress and love them for wherever they are at in their journey. And maybe they never go to therapy. Maybe they stay the way that they are forever. And like you have to make peace with that, which I can see being like super hard. Yeah, just being the cycle breaker. That's how I like to Mm. just put it. Just realizing, okay, I will be the cycle breaker of this. Mm -hmm. My mother didn't go to, my mother did go to therapy, but her mother didn't and her mother probably didn't. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, it stops with me. So my my children will not have these patterns. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about what are some things that are considered just like normal childhood experiences, but may actually be stored in us as trauma. I think the biggest thing we already talked about was that like feeling disconnected or feeling not supported. What are some other examples that maybe would cause us to have unproductive or like unhealthy patterns? Mm-hmm. One big thing is, for example, being sent to your room. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it earlier, but it's such a huge, huge thing because a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of parents do that because they think it's the appropriate way to deal when your child is feeling big feelings to just say, "I don't want to deal with you right now. Cool off your mind. Go to your room." And actually, what they're doing is the child is learning. That if I feel big feelings, for me, it's not okay to communicate it. Mm. I should go isolate myself and make my own mind up. Like, mm-hmm. de- I have to deal alone with my feelings yeah. because that's the way how I learned it. So yeah. for me, it was the same. So I grew up into someone who isolates herself a lot when she feels something is off or has big feelings. And so this is one of the main things a lot of a lot of parents do in society approves of, where it's like, mm, no, you should rather just communicate and yeah. talk about why they're feeling this way. Because as a child, you don't know why you're feeling that way. Yeah. That yeah. You, don't, you can't really say why you're feeling sad or this is the parent's job to regulate your emotions at that point mm-hmm. and tell you why you're feeling what you're feeling. So you can start regulating your own emotions yeah. and learn how to do it. Yeah. And also communicating emotions is yeah, is key. That, we all know that. That is so relatable to me because <laughs> I remember vividly being a child and there would be some sort of conflict. Like I don't even remember what would come up, but it was like nothing crazy. But there would be some sort of conflict with my parents. They would tell me to go to my room and then I would start crying And they would basically tell me that I need like they'd come talk to me when I calmed down and I would purposely make myself cry harder and harder and harder until they came to soothe me because Mm -hmm. I was so upset. And I would just I would literally think about things so I could keep crying until they soothe me like that was my literal cry for help. And I needed them to help me regulate. And they didn't know that. Right. Like they thought that they were doing the best thing. But that is such a pattern. And then, like you said, that creates like an avoidant pattern of like, okay, Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling big things, I need to remove myself. I need to handle it on my own. I can't like expect other people to be there for me. And I think that shows up as like the strong, independent woman archetype or just (laughs) feeling like you can't rely on people, even though my parents were like so present, so loving. That was like one thing that 
I can specifically call out as like, okay, that probably wasn't helpful in the way that it was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, they they did what they learned. Right. I mean, they got sent to their room as well, and they just like unconsciously do the same thing to do. They learned it that way. They learned this is the right way, and they turned out fine, so they just adapt it. Yeah, exactly. So um, I want to talk about the... You said your like first huge viral post was about your mm-hmm. favorite inner child healing exercises. And I love an actionable takeaway. I love giving people like next steps. So can you take yeah. us through some of your favorite exercises and give people kind of like an idea of what they can do next or where they can start? Yeah. As a, as a small disclaimer, maybe after hearing this episode, you can just go to Instagram and look at the video I'm referring to. Yeah. So just doing it while listening is not that helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but I would just, I'd love to talk about it because there's one, two exercises I raise about. It's the first one is visualization exercise. Mm. this shit goes deep Mm -hmm. and I think it went viral for a reason because it makes you feel your emotions even though you don't want to (laughs) yeah so it starts that you're just visualizing your bedroom door childhood door just picking the one which comes to your mind if you had more and then you go in and see your younger self sitting on a bed and you just approach him or her and tell them everything you he never heard but needed mm. as a child. For many people, I read all the comments at some I think until it hit like two million, I replied to every comment. Oh my gosh. Bless you. And then I was just so <laughs> then I was just overwhelmed. I was like, I cannot I cannot handle that anymore. But most of people said like, You're beautiful, you don't have to be strong, your feelings are valid. They hugged their the child selves. Yeah. Some of them visualized their parents approaching, dead parents approaching. Like, it went crazy. Yeah. But, and then basically saying all the things you needed to say and then going out of your bedroom and leaving a message. And yeah. And so this is basically the first visualization exercise which I posted. And I think this is very powerful because yeah. if you're not used to first seeing your younger self and if you have trauma then it will definitely definitely not look happy mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's also hard and it can be re-traumatizing and yeah I also would claim in the captions that if you know that you have severe trauma that you should only do it with a professional because yeah I don't you know I, I want to help people I don't want to mess them up more yeah so, Whenever mm-hmm. I post exercise like that, I'm like, if you know that this will be hard, if you yeah. know that you what you will see is like not that great, do it with a professional, do it with a friend, don't be alone because you probably will be re-traumatized if you do it wrong. Yeah. And yeah, so this is the exercise I also like the most because it's like you're you are the parent or the adult you always needed. Mm-hmm. realizing you don't really need anyone just you to soothe to soothe you mm-hmm. and yeah so that's the exercise I really really like and also I do love asking questions because the brain is very smart and if you ask questions you get the answers yeah. even unconsciously mm-hmm. so I do a lot of questions and also sharing my answers on the real what I think 
I so also, when you're asking questions, are you yeah. asking like little Saskia, blah, blah, blah. Like, here's the question. Are you specifically addressing your inner child or mm. how are you approaching that? No, I not really. Not, okay. not that inner child themed. I'm just asking about childhood. Like, mm. how, how did you feel when this happened? Mm-hmm. Do you feel, hmm, do you feel bad? Because even if you know that you don't know, at some questions I was like, I don't know how I felt. I don't know if I'm healed. I don't know if I have trauma. I don't know, but your brain does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, your brain knows. Everything's you know, up there. Everything. You just maybe don't have access to it right now. And I've, yeah. I've heard stories too of people as they are doing this work, they previously like don't remember hardly any of their childhood. But as they do this work, they are like unlocking memories, good and yeah. bad. And I think that's also another reason why it's really helpful to have someone trained like in these exercises and like a a therapist or a counselor or someone to be with you because I can imagine that your brain was hiding things for a reason. And so that when you uncover them, like it's going to be hard. It's going to be messy. Yeah. So what's your advice then for people who know that they need to do this work? Like they know that it's holding them back. They have unhealthy patterns. There has to be like more to life than being stuck here. But mm. they also know that it's going to be really messy. It's going to be painful. Like there are things that they have been afraid to address or afraid to remember. Mm. What is your advice to them to do it anyway? Or maybe they mm. should actually wait till a certain time. I think it depends. I'm a big believer in you will never be ready. You will always feel overwhelmed. You will always feel overwhelmed when you're going to your first therapy session. I was overwhelmed when I was talking to the secretary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think you will never be ready. So if you wait for just being ready, then mm-hmm. dive in, dive mm-hmm. in and feel the fear, feel the fear and do it anyway. But if you're in a, in a position in life where a lot of things is happening, for example, I just, I just make it up right now what I'm saying, but you go to, through a divorce, you moved out, you have a lot of things going on. Maybe this wouldn't be the best moment to mm-hmm. take on something else, which is that big. Because mm-hmm. therapy is not always fun. I mean, I yeah. do show the good sides of therapy because I am a supporter. But as you also know, probably, <laughs> you know your bullshit. And yeah. other people, they will call you out and you have to deal with the fact that sometimes you're not a good person and sometimes you do shit and you have to be ready for it. And if you have a lot of other constructions going on in life, this won't yeah. be the, the right thing. But other than that, therapy is healing. And if you're willing to go through the mud, then mm-hmm. you'll be rewarded at the end because yeah. I think I would never be there where I am right now without my therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I the way I think about it is kind of like when you're doing like a major closet clean out where like when you start like this is a really good idea. This is going to be good for me. Like I'm excited for the ending, blah, blah, blah. And then you start doing it. And at the beginning, you're like maybe a little overwhelmed, but you're committed. Then like halfway through, it's worse than when you started. You're questioning everything. Yeah. You're kind of hating your life. You're like, why did I do this to myself? You have throwbacks. Yeah. And you have to keep pushing through, pushing through, pushing through, trusting the process. And then in the end, you're like, oh, my God, that was so amazing. Like, that was so worth it. But it's like that messy middle 
where it gets worse before it gets better that has you questioning everything. But I think that's so normal. And I've personally experienced that in many different areas. Like inner child healing is just one part that like one thing that you can work on in therapy. And there's so many others, too. I think it like connects to everything. But it's just like trusting the process and being down for like the messy middle is such a lesson, such like a common thread. Yeah, you also have to do like the right, you do have to have the right therapist. Uh, So uh, I was lucky that I, the first therapist was a fit. Yeah. But I do know that a lot of also friends of mine who are also going to therapy, they don't really have a good fit and they feel lost at, they don't feel feel like they take, take them serious or it's just they don't feel like they understand them Mm, and it's mm -hmm. time to go. Like, if you don't feel comfortable, yeah. this is your space to heal. Right. And there should right. be a person, there should be a person who you fully trust. Yes. And you can open up to, or you can see yourself opening up to at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is, how do you know that your therapist is a good fit? So it sounds like someone you feel comfortable opening up to, yeah. at least to like over time, someone who takes you seriously and like believes you. Is there anything else that makes you feel like, you did get really lucky to have a good fit the first time? For me, it helped that she's in my age. Mm. She's a few few years older than me, but she's still in training. Mm. But she does have a supervisor on her side. So I do do my therapy sessions with her alone. But mm-hmm. she once a month or once a week, I don't quite know, she has a supervision who is looking over it and uh, helping her with the therapy sessions. And this was one thing for me which helped quite a lot because if you have like someone not not to offend anybody, but if you're like a twenty year you're twenty year old girl and you're sitting in front of a sixty year old boy or man and you're trying to talk to them about dating. Yeah. And that's just gonna you be start hard. with you start with Bumble and they're like, What? Yeah. And I was just she knows how the society is in my generation because mm-hmm. she's in it. So for mm-hmm. me it was a good fit that I don't have to explain that much and she yeah. understands yeah yeah it should so feel for me safe. this was this was something what was very helpful and even though she's in training she's amazing like, yeah she she does the work and I do have the feeling they're also more more on the theor- theoretical side because they just came out of school uh, out of uni mm, so mm-hmm. they do have a lot of theoretical things yeah still in their mind so that was yeah. one thing I was like, okay, this this probably helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've purposely always picked therapists that specialize in like young women entrepreneurs because that's a lot of my experience. And it makes such a big difference that they have that either personal experience or they have that client kind of that client experience of like a lot of their clients are similar to me. And so I know that when I bring something up, they're they're going to understand what I'm talking about. Because like you said, like context and understanding the experience that you're having is huge. And someone can be empathetic. Like, yeah. like you, the example you gave, okay, if I talk to like a 60-year-old man who has never had a business and like doesn't really use technology and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like he's he might Hard. empathize on me and he might try, but he's not going to really be able to like put himself in my shoes the way that someone who really gets my circumstances are so I definitely think looking for someone who has 
expertise or lived experience similar to yours goes a really long way. Yeah, and I think uh, for me, it was a feeling that I'm not that judged because she's mm. similar. Yeah, it's it's I hate when people say that, but it's it's like a friend. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's having someone with like objective opinion, someone who because I think talking to your friends is amazing, but it's not a replacement for therapy, because when you're right. talking to your friends, they have like their biases depending on like their own experience they have their perspective let's say for example you need to talk to them about your partner like your relationship your friend is going to think about all the other like times that you've been in a relationship they're going to think about their own relationships they're going to like bring so many other things to this conversation and then also you're expected to hold space for them in return because it's a conversation between friends versus your therapist like they are trained to be objective right they are trained to like look at the context of the situation and know your patterns and like see what's really going on and give you objective advice and then you don't have to hold any space in return like my therapist only holds (laughs) space for me and like same thing like I only hold space for my clients it's not a two-way space holding (laughs) dynamic Mm -hmm. the way friends are and so I think that's like some a reason why people sometimes don't go to therapy is like, oh, well, I have really good friends or I can talk to my mom or whatever. But it's just it's not the same. They're not trained. And it's also just a very different dynamic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I once asked my therapist, and how are you? Are are you married? Because (laughs) uh, she she wears a ring. I was like, are you married? And she looked at me dead in the eyes. So what's up with you? <laughs> so <laughs> no I do response. feel it. <laughs> no response. She's like freezing me out, but it's fine. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. I agree. Yeah, I love that you're normalizing therapy. I love that you're having so many candid conversations. And like we kind of talked about is like you don't realize how not alone you are until you open yeah. up and see that all these people are experiencing similar things and feel the same way and that is just like so healing and validating in and of itself so where can people find you where can they follow your journey join these conversations join your community and support you yeah you'll find me on instagram instagram only so i don't i do have tiktok but i'm private on there so you'll find me on instagram at growing with sauce and yeah i I do love holding the space for people to Maybe get a blink of therapy if I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of people message me, oh my gosh, I learned more on your page than in my two years of therapy. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> that's why I do what I do and also processing it. And that's why it's called growing with stuff because you're basically just growing with me. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's not that you're like, here's what I'm doing and I'm an expert and I know everything. It's like, literally, yeah. you're along for the ride with me as I'm growing through yeah. it all yeah I'm, I'm sharing my wounds so you don't feel alone and yeah that's that's why i'm but i'm not i'm, I'm not a professional so amazing yeah so everyone go share some love and gratitude with saskia growing with sass is her insta thank you so so much for <laughs> being with us and sharing your story and your wisdom and all of your learnings with thank us you. so happy to have you here and we'll stay in touch thank you i'm happy to i'm happy to be here <laughs>